This is the message from Connection Community Church on Palm Sunday, April 9th, 2017, Broken Expectations. Good morning, once again, and thanks for being here as we celebrate Palm Sunday, the commemoration of Jesus' triumphal entry into Jerusalem that entered in, that ushered in the final days of his life. My name is Carrie Jones. I'm Alan Jones. And we are two sinners who have been saved by the grace of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We also want to thank you so much, Nolan, for Devin and TC and Harper. Nolan is ahead of schedule. He's just a miracle. They were able to successfully connect his esophagus, which was disconnected, and um, the surgery went really well, and he is not hooked up to anything but Devin these days, and that's a big deal. Hello. On his one-week birthday, she was finally able to feed him, which was really great. Keep the prayers up. There's a little bit of a road ahead, and um, we're just thankful for, for everybody who's praying. Well, let's pray right now. Almighty God, thank you so much for today, a day where it's kind of hard in, in our worship, where we go from celebration to some really hard stuff with Jesus making that journey to the cross. And so, God, open us up that we might experience what you would have for each one of us. We thank you for your love that is unconditional, your love that knows no limits and has no end. We pray this in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and everybody in agreement said, amen. Amen. As Jesus and the disciples approached Jerusalem and came to Bethphage and Bethany at the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two of his disciples, saying to them, Go to the village ahead of you, and just as you enter it, you will find a colt tied there, which no one has ever ridden. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you, Why are you doing this? Say, The Lord needs it, and we'll send it back shortly. Well, they went and found a colt outside in the street, tied at a doorway. As they untied it, some people stand there asked, what are you doing untying that colt? And they answered as Jesus had told them to, and the people let them go. And so Jesus and his disciples, they prepare to enter Jerusalem. And little did the disciples know that this would be their last time entering with Jesus, doing this whole thing with Jesus. It's such an important story in this uh, part of Jesus's life, so important that the story is told in all four Gospels in the Bible. It's told in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. The New International Version of the Bible, which we're quoting from today, um, gives the subtitle, and actually they all do, all the versions give the subtitle, The Triumphal Entry, what we're talking about today in their sharings of this story. The triumphal entry. At this point, many of the religious leaders uh, were wary of Jesus. Uh, they were discussing what to do with this revolutionary to the point of even plotting his demise. Jesus, aware of this, still did not sneak into town under the cover of darkness, didn't silently enter when no one was watching. Instead, 
he entered as a king would enter. Riding a donkey, see in that culture, unlike ours, the donkey was a, a noble beast, an animal that a king would ride in on. Kings rode to war on horses, but they rode on a donkey as a sign of peace. And so Jesus procures a donkey to enter the city of Jerusalem in triumphant fashion, king of kings, prince of peace. And this isn't something that just happens. It has been planned. Jesus planned this out. He knows in advance, he shares in advance where the donkey is to be found. Perhaps he arranged it with the owner. We aren't given those details. But we are told that he sends two disciples into town and they are allowed to borrow the animal. Matthew and John, the writers of um, the book of Matthew and the book of John, they report that this fulfills the Old Testament prophecy. You see, the Old Testament and the New Testament, they're connected. The Old Testament is full of uh, the coming of Jesus Christ. And so we read in Zechariah, Rejoice greatly, daughter Zion. Shout, daughter Jerusalem. See, your king comes to you, righteous and victorious, lowly and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. When they brought the colt to Jesus and threw their cloaks over it, he sat on it. Many people spread their cloaks on the road while others spread branches they had cut from the fields. Those who went ahead and those who followed shouted, say it with me, Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the coming kingdom of our father David. Hosanna in the highest. Can you even imagine the scene that day on the streets? I mean, people were laying their cloaks down, taking their coats off, laying them on the road, cutting branches down. Uh, some of the gospel versions of, of this story say that they were palm branches palm branches are, you know, when you open them up, it's like a fan, and so they were laying them down on the road as well. It's a sign of humble welcome for a returning hero. They've heard the stories. They know about Jesus. They know who he is. They know that he preaches and he teaches with authority. They know that he heals people of many things. They know that he casts out demons They've heard, and the news has spread. Famous one. They know that he forgives and that he saves. And that's why they say Hosanna. Hosanna means saves. They know. And so this is their cry, the people's cry for salvation and recognition that Jesus is the one who does the saving. And so Jesus enters Jerusalem as the people shout, Hosanna! Laying down their cloaks and palm branches in the road. He enters Jerusalem and the people have great expectations. Great expectations. He is the king. He is the savior. He is their hero. And he will triumph. Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the coming of our father David. Hosanna in the highest heaven. They had great expectations. Great expectations. 
Blessed is the coming kingdom of our father David. Unfortunately, that is the great expectation that many had. They were looking for the kingship of Jesus to resemble the kingship of King David, a a warrior king, a, a king who would overthrow the government, a king who would reclaim Israel from Rome. Great expectations of a king like David. Broken expectations, because this isn't the king that Jesus was at all. This king's Rome was not an earthly kingdom, but the kingdom of heaven. This king waged war not on neighboring people and places. This king waged war on Satan and sin. As a result, many of those who had great expectations ended up with broken expectations. Ended up with a king on a donkey waging peace rather than a king on a horse waging war. So what about you? What about you? What, what are your expectations of Jesus? Well, that's not to say that Jesus didn't have some fight in him. The day he arrived in Jerusalem, he entered the temple area and began driving out those who were buying and selling there. You see, at the time, the people needed to bring a sacrifice to the temple, and they had come from long, you know, from places far, far away. And so they were coming there because it was the festival of the Passover. Rather than bringing the sacrifice with them that whole way, they would buy the sacrificial dove right there. It had become a big business selling these sacrifices right there in the temple. It would be like we had, you know, a shopping center right here in our church. And there was money exchange and there were different currencies because they came from different areas. There was also a markup in prices. Imagine that. There was little competition because the people needed those sacrifices. And so Jesus overturned the tables of the money changers and the benches of those selling doves and would not allow anyone to carry merchandise through the temple courts. And as he taught them, he said, it is, is it not written, my house will be called a house of prayer for all nations, but you have made it a den of robbers. The Bible tells us that Jesus was teaching and preaching during the day at the temple, and then in the evening he would go out and spend the night in a place called the Mount of Olives. All the while, the chief priests and the teachers of the law were looking for some way to get rid of Jesus, but they had to tread very carefully because Jesus had a great following. There were people that just flocked him wherever he went, people who came to hear them, hear Jesus every day. And so they were afraid of those people. Then one of the twelve, the one called Judas Iscariot, went to the chief priest and he asked, what are you willing to give me if I deliver him over to you? And so they counted out for him 30 pieces of silver. From then on, Judas watched for an opportunity to hand Jesus over. It was believed that Judas was looking for radical leadership to overthrow the Roman government. He had great expectations, and Jesus just was not meeting them. 
And so Jesus was offered up for 30 pieces of silver. That was the cost of a slave. He was offered up by one of the 12 men who had been with him for three years, who had seen him teach and preach and heal. Judas made a deal with the religious leaders, not to mention the devil, to turn Jesus over to them at just the right time. And so the one who had spent a couple of days earlier, the one who was given this hero's welcome, Hosanna, he was being hailed as king, the one that was at the center of all these great expectations was now in the center of broken expectations. Judas made his move during the last supper that Jesus shared with his disciples. Supper during which Jesus offered one of his most powerful teachings. Custom in that day was that there would be a servant in a home to wash the feet of guests as they entered. People wore sandals, dusty roads, feet, their feet would get dirty, dusty, crusty, weary. A servant would wash the feet. Well, Jesus and the disciples were in a rented room for the Passover meal. No servant. And so during the meal, Jesus got up and he took on the role of the servant as he washed the feet of his disciples who were gathered with him for the last time before he was arrested. His actions showed them that he came to serve, not be served. He encouraged them to do the same. How ironic that the Son of God, the God in the flesh, would be the one to wash the feet of those gathered, not the other way around. How ironic that Jesus would wash the feet of those who would later desert him and one who would shortly betray him. But that's the unconditional love of God that we see in this foot washing. Jesus told them to go and do likewise, to serve one another in love. And so Jesus spent his time teaching the disciples during this period, preparing them for what life would be like without him. What was going to happen next? Now in this process, Peter, one of his disciples, had great expectations himself. He claimed that he would follow Jesus wherever Jesus went. Peter declared, even if all fall away, I will not. Can you just hear Peter say that? And then Jesus answered, truly, I tell you, today, yes. Tonight, before the rooster crows twice, you yourself will disown me three times. But Peter insisted emphatically, even if I have to die with you, I will never disown you. And all the others did the same. But Peter did deny Jesus, not once or twice, but three times, just as Jesus said. Broken expectations. So the question is this. How many times have you, how many times have I, how many times have we been like Peter and we have denied Jesus? 
denied even knowing him, denied Jesus through our words, through our actions, perhaps denied him uh, by our hands or our feet, our action, our inaction. How do we deny Jesus just like Peter did? After supper, Jesus and the disciples went to the Mount of Olives to pray. And Jesus wanted to get off by himself a little more private, so he took his inner circle, Peter, James, and John, with him. He was hoping for support from them, but they couldn't even stay awake. Once again, broken expectations. While there, Judas came with the chief priests, the elders of the people. He kissed Jesus to identify him as the one that they wanted, and they proceeded to take him in, to take him before the Sanhedrin, the, the Jewish Supreme Court. And while this happened, the disciples, Jesus' closest followers, deserted him. Once again, broken expectations. And so the hosannas of Palm Sunday are now just a distant memory. The religious leaders claim that Jesus was guilty of blasphemy. That means that he was guilty of claiming to be God, claiming to be the Son of God, and they wanted the death penalty as a punishment for that. They took him to Pilate, who was the Roman governor, and they asked Pilate to declare a death sentence to take Jesus' life. Pilate was reluctant. But the leaders kept pushing him and pushing him. The custom at that time of the Passover feast was to offer up freedom to a Jewish prisoner. And so Pilate gave the crowd a choice to release Barabbas, who was in prison for murder, or to release Jesus. The religious leaders encouraged the crowd, to ask for Barabbas and have Jesus executed. Crucify him! Crucify him! And even though Pilate felt Jesus was innocent, he gave the people what they wanted. Now, how often do we cave in? How often do we compromise our principles, our Christian values? How often do we give people what they want rather than what they need when we know that God is calling us or to you know, ask us to do one thing and we just don't? How often do we cave in? Jesus was then publicly humiliated by the governor's soldiers. They spit on him and mocked him Mocked the idea of him being king of the Jews by putting a scarlet robe on him and a crown of thorns on his head. They beat him and then led him to his final execution, forcing him to drag his own cross. The one who was just a few days earlier hailed a hero is now treated as a common criminal as he is nailed to the cross. Once again, great expectations have turned to broken expectations. The religious leaders mock him, saying he saved others, but he can't save himself. 
crucifixion. It was one of the cruelest, most painful ways to put someone to death. Nailed to a cross, it wasn't the loss of blood, but it was actually suffocation because they became so weak, they couldn't hold themselves up in order to breathe. And so the Bible tells us that Jesus willingly gave up his spirit. That's key. They didn't kill him. He willingly gave up his spirit and died on the cross that day. Willingly. So that you, so that I, so that we could be saved. So that we might live. So that we might have hope and peace and mercy in all circumstances. So that we absolutely could have an eternal relationship with Jesus. A rich man named Joseph of Arimathea, who had become a disciple himself, he took Jesus' body and wrapped it in clean linen, and he placed it in a new tomb that had just been recently cut into the rock. A large stone was placed over the entrance, and it was sealed. Quite a week. Quite a week. It started with shouts of Hosanna and ended with shouts of crucify. It started with waving palm branches to throwing verbal stones. It started with great expectations and ended with a series of broken expectations. We're going to be talking about all this more on Thursday night at our Holy Thursday service. We hope that you'll come. It's at 7 o'clock, child care. And we'll even go deeper and have these first-person accounts of those who were right with Jesus during this time, our interpretation of that. Broken expectations. We have to wonder why. Why? How did it even get there? How did that happen? And yet, for some of us, some of our weeks aren't that much different in our lives with Jesus because we too, on one hand, are singing the praises of Jesus as we wave palm branches, yay, Jesus, yo, God, and yet we too often crucify him. We crucify him, we desert him, we turn our backs in our own little ways wherever we are. Sometimes it's at home with our dishonoring words, sometimes it's at work. We just deny even being a Christian. We don't hold to things. And in fact, our lack of action or our lack of inaction nails Jesus to the cross. At times we fail Jesus because we don't pray to Jesus. We don't spend God time or we don't pray for one another. Christ asks us to do that. We don't defend someone when they need to be defended. You know, he, he came for the least, the last, the lost, and he, you should do the same. That's what Jesus says. Let's pray. Almighty God, as we hear that whistle, that is our prompting to stop and lift up our prayers to you, asking a covering over the situation that there would be no harm, that whatever is happening, that um, it's 
just going to be resolved quickly, that there's no injury. Thank you for those who are responding. Please keep everyone safe on the road. We pray this in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. So how often do we throw stones at Jesus, so to speak? We have great expectations of what God will do for us. And when God doesn't measure up, when Jesus doesn't deliver, we have broken expectations. Because our expectations are based on our desire, our fleshy wants, as opposed to depending on the promises of God that Jesus will never leave us, will never strand us, will never turn his back on us, will never turn his back on you. And Jesus delivers in our lives all the time in our spiritual needs, not our fleshy needs. Oh, we get blessed beyond words. But Jesus is more worried about our heart and our character than anything else, our being with him. And so we have broken expectations that lead us right to the old rugged cross.
Thank you for joining us for our podcast. For more information about Connection Community Church in Middletown, Delaware, please visit our website at justshowup.church. You can also call our church offices at 302-378-7692. Connection Community Church, connecting people.